Warning, we get super excited in this podcast. We may even drop a few S and F words. If you don't like to hear that thing, we're sorry, but not sorry. Maybe make sure no one is around that doesn't like those kind of words because I don't even know how many times we said them. Probably a lot. Enjoy. Don't hide things and then try and pull it out later, you know, against your clients. Just start this like dirty battle. I would buy their products. I would work with them again. I would be their best friend in real life. They're, to me, what dream clients should be. This is the I Made a Thing podcast with Rachel and Sophia. We're all about helping biz owners who don't believe in cheat sheets. Today, we're talking about client management. Is the client always right? Should you go above and beyond to keep your clients happy? And is it ever okay to fire a client? So in tradition, Sophia, I would love for you to give us a definition of what is client management, and then we can chat a little about bit about what it actually looks like on a daily basis. Thanks, Rach. Oh, this is a good topic. I'm excited to talk about this today. So when we're looking at client relationship management, it's all about our businesses' interactions with our clients. So what is our approach going to be to building, hopefully, a positive relationship with them? And how is that great management going to generate more business or ongoing business? Retain our clients and hopefully build an amazing brand for our small biz. So that in a nutshell is what we're talking about today. Which is like huge. Can I just say this is going to be a meaty topic because we have to cover a lot of stuff because yeah, it's not just about getting clients and keeping clients. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle there that we need to do. So I don't know, like what does client management look like to you on a daily basis like are there certain things you do or certain like mindset skills that you work on yeah okay what do I do day to day for client management um for me it's about there's a lot of good record keeping that's going on because I'm one of those people that has a million thoughts racing in my mind and I want to get them down and keep them organized for the respective projects that I've got going on for my clients making sure I'm not forgetting stuff. So my calendar is very important to me, making sure I'm tracking any appointments that might have changed, location, meeting points, times, all sorts of stuff there. And organizing my client information, as I mentioned, is very important, but also the privacy of that information. So that's, that's really key as well. But I think it really just comes down to good communication with my clients to keeping them up to date on where the project's at, any more information that I might need from them, particularly if I think it's going to take some time, giving them a heads up as soon as possible so that we can meet all those due dates. But yeah, I love that. Yeah. Honestly, you're so good at this stuff. Like I, I mean, I'm good at it too, but I think you're particularly good at getting stuff organized. I mean, you helped me organize my calendar when I was getting a bit stressy about stuff, but I want you to talk about, privacy of client information first because I don't think as small business owners we talk about this enough so I know you do a lot of work around privacy online and then I can talk about all of my systems and stuff because my partner works in IT so he like nerds out and all this backup crap too which I'd love to um, share with everyone because I think yeah not enough business owners talk about this 
Yeah, that, yeah, sure can. And I, Rach, I'd love to get into the mindset stuff with you because I think that's where I'm lacking a bit and I'm starting to get better at that. But yeah, um, security, privacy. So I obviously come from a pretty corporate lockdown uh, background where privacy of information is absolutely paramount. So I have a lot of experience in that space. So I actually use encryption software to keep my client information secure. And then I use password managers and very strong passwords and other like firewalls and stuff like that to keep client information safe and secure. But then just common sense stuff. So I don't talk to other people about my client's information unless I have the explicit permission from my client to do so. So even when it comes down to things like testimonials, you know, I'm going to check with them that they're happy for certain things to be included. Um, if we were going to do a case study that was going to be, you know, out there in the world, then obviously I would have explicit permission, written permission from my client to include any, say, financial information. So say if I wanted to make a claim like, oh, you know, we doubled their profits or we halved their expenses or whatever it might be, I'm going to need, um, you know, obviously that needs to be true. <laughs> but yeah, then... That, that's a good start, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, first step. Uh, and then I'm going to want written, written permission from them. Um, not because I'm trying to be like a stickler for having everything in writing, uh, but I just don't want it to come back one day and they say, no, I, I never said that. And it's really easy for people to forget or pretend to forget if uh, they decide that they don't like something or they don't agree or you have a falling out or anything happens. So I always, always get that stuff in writing. But yeah, that's in a nutshell kind of the things, the basic things that I do. Um, but Rach, let's, let's nerd out. Let's get a bit more into this. What's some of the things that uh, Sebi's helped you with or that, that he thinks are a good idea for small business owners as well? Yeah, well, I don't know how many friends and small business owners have come to me like, my laptop died. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, so I can't do my work today. And I lost all of that. And I did, couldn't do that. And I lost all the phone numbers. And I'm like, uh, what now? Like literally you just had shit on your laptop. Is that it? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, ah, uh, that is so bad. And yes, I have an IT nerd um, on hand, which is amazing. But I used to work in, you know, digital communications. Like I know how to back up and save my um, stuff. And I actually know a bit about IT myself. So yeah, I have my computer, my laptop, and then I have um, a hard drive. Um, which a lot of people do as well. So have a hard drive. And so things are in both those places. Then obviously there's like email and Google like drive and stuff that I put a lot of um, documents in as well. But my computer actually um, backs up each night onto, I don't know the IT term. So I'm just going to call it the mother computer as I refer to it um, with Sebi. I'm like, is it on the mother computer? He's like, yes. So I put it on the mother computer and then that's stored for um, three to six months. And then if anything happened to my laptop, like right now, I'm pretty clumsy. So if I knocked my coffee all over my laptop and it was screwed, I could get any other computer or laptop and it's called like imaging and take an image of my computer as of this morning um, or last night, I think it backs up at 6 p.m. and I would have everything. So I might've lost a couple of hours if today I was like type, type, typing away and then spilt my coffee, but everything's there. And I think business owners need to be thinking about how they're not only like protecting the information, but how they're storing it. And so with my clients, once they get the final copy and pay like, um, you know, the money or even with my other clients, they own everything. So it's no longer my responsibility to have it on hand, but I do. So I often delete all of the drafts after like a month and I keep the final copy and I keep the final copy for up to a year. And then after that, I'm like, if they don't come back to me within a year, if they don't need it, it's not my responsibility, but you know, I do kind of store all of the information. So I've also had 
friends being like, oh, the client came back three months later and just wanted to double check something. Again, not the biz owner's responsibility, but they're like, I don't even have any of the files anymore. And uh, yeah, I think there could be problems with that. Like you said, Sophia, if people come back and say, oh, you promised this or actually I don't have those original files and for whatever reason and you can't prove that they do have them. Um, yeah, it can cause a bit of issues, I think, with um, client management. So that's all the stuff I do. And it doesn't have to be um, expensive. You don't need to have like a mother computer. You literally can have a hard drive. So it copies from your computer to your hard drive each night and you have two things. And then when you go out and about to a coffee shop, maybe you just take your laptop and not your hard drive. So your hard drive stays at home. So if you do spill coffee or if you go traveling, etc., you do have backups of most of your content, work, you know, invoices, um, you know, private information. Um, so it's not just like floating around on your laptop because if it gets stolen as well and you don't have passwords, then people have access to absolutely everything on your laptop. Yeah. So Rach, can I check with you by using the hard drive instead of say backing up to something like the cloud, which I think you also do too, but can you talk me through why you made the decision to, I guess, use uh, more of an old, well, not old school, but a slightly different approach by using a, um, as you say, a, a mothership or a mother computer and a hard drive instead of, I know some people are maybe just purely using the cloud as their backup at the moment. Um, I am moving more to a cloud stuff and I don't have a hard drive anymore. Like it's all sits on my computer, then backs up to the mothership, which is like a mini server and then um, stuff on the cloud. The reason why is because I used to travel a lot. And so um, I wanted to have my stuff like to be able to access it when there wasn't the interwebs available. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I go work from a coffee shop, et cetera. And I, you know, they don't have Wi-Fi, and if I don't have, a, you know, nearly run out of my data plan or something, I want to be able to access stuff. And so at the moment, a lot of things are on my Google, um, you know, Google Drive and all that. And then the other day, I went somewhere and internet was bad, and I couldn't access any of them. Mm. So I normally have them on my laptop, but then when they get saved, um, yeah. So I kind of have them everywhere. But I'm a bit more old school, I think, in that respect. So I was just used to that, but um. I think yeah. that's, that's really sensible and it just goes to show that um, you should always ask someone why they've done a, taken a particular technique because uh, it could be really good for you or it might not actually fit your business structure. So like Rachel just said, she's on the road a lot. If you're not on the road a lot um, and you're happy to pay to use a cloud service, then that might be a better option for you. Or um, another reason to kind of take Rachel's approach is that it might actually be cheaper for you because you do have to obviously pay an annual subscription for most of these cloud services once you get to a certain um, amount of storage that you re require. <laughs> I'm trying to sound professional. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know the technical lingo there. Um, <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so now everyone's fallen asleep listening to our little IT chat. <laughs> no, seriously, it is like boring AF, but so it's important. so important. Sorry. Like if Seb was here, he would be like, oh my God, business owners, it's more important for us than anyone else because we have no one to fall back on and we don't have an IT team we can walk over to and be like I did a thing and I deleted it like which is what Seb gets all day at work and he goes oh here like he's got a bigger system in place all the stuff that we don't see going on behind the scenes in an office we come to yeah work in in our bedrooms like me in my tracksuit pants I'm like Seb I deleted a thing and he's like oh and he can walk in but no one has that and so you delete stuff and then you like how does one get it back? Like you can't. So <laughs> how does how does one get this back? Yeah, no, you yeah, no, I sit there crying. <laughs> I think I think the other thing to maybe I'll just get my little like mum lecture voice on now, and this goes back to our professionalism <laughs> podcast. If 
you want to have the laptop lifestyle and run your business basically predominantly from a computer, then you need to show your clients enough respect to have appropriate systems in place to look after your business assets and potentially their assets that they're buying from you, whether that you be a graphic designer, whether you be a photographer, whether you be an accountant, whoever you are, you have to make sure that you have the systems in place to provide a professional service and backing up content is part of that. And you need to take it seriously. Mum lecture over. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Well, that actually leads into um, mindset, I think, because, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, professionalism, having your shit sorted. um, But also there's a lot of mindsets around that. Like you need to, I think, first of all, treat yourself like an actual business. So act like a business, not just someone with a laptop. And once you switch your mindset, I think a lot of, these things become more common sense and you feel more confident talking about them You feel, you know, more confident putting things in place. Cause you're like, no, I'm a business. Like I should actually spend $15 a month to have a backup on the cloud. No, I'm a business. I should have a laptop that actually works and put money aside each, you know, each month. So every couple of years I can upgrade my laptop because I pretty much do all of my work from my laptop and I um, just bought a new one and I got it on sale and stuff. And it was still like two and a half thousand dollars or just under $3,000. And a few friends like, well, that is so much money. I'm like, but this is the one thing besides my brain that I need. So it's your work. And then it makes, yeah. And it makes like, again, client management, doing the work and everything. So I think, you know, mindset's really important, but then specifically with client management, I think you also need to practice your communication styles a bit of leadership patience because it's our job as business owners when people work with us to you know lead the way so yeah it could be having your laptop and shit sorted but it's also like well how am I going to show up every day how am I going to put processes and stuff in place how am I going to take my client's hand and literally lead them through the transformation so yeah I think mindset's just just as important yeah and uh I'll just jump in here H because we off air we were talking about um, well, actually, I woke up at 4.30 and had to write this down. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> uh-huh, I, was, I was writing stuff the other day at like 2 a.m. as well. It's great. Oh, the worst. I just wanted to sleep and I felt stressed, but we won't go into that right now. But uh, thinking about that dynamic between, you know, the freelance and the small business owner and their client, and how so many of us, particularly when we're first start, starting out, we might not have a lot of experience leading or being the boss or being a manager and being maybe having more power in the situation than we're used to. And so we default to an employee-style relationship with our client and the client sort of becomes, well, basically the client, there's an unequal distribution of power and the client becomes this kind of uh, not diplomat. <laughs> the opposite (laughs) like a tyrant they become like a tyrant and you know you need a high level of power well at least an equal level of power in that relationship so that you can contribute your best work because at the end of the day it's not an employee employer relationship it's it should be different than that I believe but yeah as I say you know small business owners we kind of default to that relationship because that might be our only previous experience and it's comfortable and you know, we're scared. We want to get paid. Um, we don't want to upset our clients. Um, but that's, that's not okay. And that's not fair. So 
again, you know, working on your mindset piece as well is going to help you avoid that situation, hopefully. I love that so much. Like when you said that off air, I was like, yes, this is, this is the shit that I want to like start talking about because it is so true. I mean, we start off by, you know, selling our services, et cetera. People come to us and they're like, yeah, and we feel kind of like in power. And then as soon as they pay the invoice or, you know, the deposit, the power shifts. And then it's like, oh, my client needs this. And my client's calling me at this time. And the due date's moved. And actually they want this now. And suddenly, instead of us being, like you said, in charge, leading them through transformation, we're jumping at their every need. And then they're asking us to come in the office for me- like stand-up meetings. And we're like, hey, but I sit at home. They're like, no, 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 we need you in a meeting. And suddenly you find yourself at an office back where you originally left, which is what so many of my clients um, tell me and like share these stories with me. I'm like, how, how did we get there when we'd set up everything we're in the right position and then it suddenly shifts. And so I don't know, like how can we make sure that that dynamic doesn't change? I guess like it's policies and procedures and mindset, but I don't know. Cause I think again, Sophie, you're really good with your policies and procedures that keeps you in charge in that way. I don't know. Do you want to share some of the stuff that like you do with like onboarding process and stuff to try and, I don't want to say hold the power and keep the power, but that's kind of what we're saying. Like, you know, be in charge still and don't let them sort of run our lives. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like we, you know, on the opposite, obviously, like we don't want to be the boss and the tyrant either, but it's, I I think it's about mutual respect. Yeah. That's probably a better word. Yeah. I, I'm still practicing this. So I'm, I've recently not got this right. Happy to admit that. And we can go into some, some horror stories in a minute, but (laughs) I think you really, like something my mum has always taught me. I'm always quoting my mum in this podcast. I bet she must love it. I love it. Seriously. <laughs> Does she like listen to it and be like, yes. Okay, quote so. it again. Hey mum. <laughs> but she always, she always said to me, start the way you intend to finish. So you've got to start off by saying, this is, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. <laughs> um, sounds cheesy. But it's true. And don't, compromise too much so we mentioned before about having boundaries so if you've if you've set up your process to say i need you to fill in this form step one step two is you know sign the contract well then you don't start work until they've signed the contract and i've been guilty of not doing that because i'm like friendly with them we've caught up for a coffee and i think oh yeah they're fine like there's not going to be any issues here i'm happy to take the risk whatever no contract signed it's just like a handshake agreement and then what do you know, a few months down the track, all shit hits the fan. Nightmare client alert. Ding, ding, Nightmare ding, ding. client alert. <laughs> yeah. That is so, so true. And even I have like a payment um, condition. So you need to, obviously we have a meeting, you need to fill out all the forms, you need to sign the contract, and then you need to make the deposit and it needs to hit my bank account or you just send a screenshot of proof that you've just paid me before I do any work. Otherwise it ain't happening. And I've had a lot of clients being like, oh, well, you know, finance can't come through until two more days, but we won't have enough time if we start then, you know, to get the work done. I was like, and I'm not working. And I just have to keep saying it. But um, most of my clients are pretty good because I talk about these processes and policies over and over and over. So I've actually been pretty lucky. Like I rarely have anyone, um, not pay me, um, you know, not complete their end of the work, et cetera, because I can just keep referring to all of these contracts. Um, and if payment stops, so does work. 
so the payment doesn't come in, then I just stop work. Even if they need it and it's for a campaign and or anything like that, I'm like, well, I'm not getting paid, so you're not getting the work. And I think that sounds like harsh for a lot of people. And I know a lot of um, people like, you know, voice messaging me on Insta lately, being like, how can I like, you know, again, like you said, Sophia, like keep making these processes stand and not going back on what I've said. And I think it's so important, um, you know, your mum's quote, because when you start off really strong and then you start getting wishy-washy on your own processes and procedures, then they see it as, that, oh, it's just a nice to have. Like, oh, well, if Rachel is going to start without being, you know, paying, maybe I can just pay a week later and the work will keep going. Like we give them permission to push those boundaries. Yeah, yeah, they basically without realizing it you're sending a message to your client that you're not a not a professional which is harsh but that's human nature so if we don't if we don't stand true to our boundaries and it's not about being you know what you know actually what i think is happening rachel we're so scared of being a bossy bitch yeah so we're scared of coming across that way and so we back off on what you know contracts on processes because we don't want to come across that way yeah, which is totally true. And I have like even systems in place. Like say if we have an agreed upon meeting, Zoom meeting, we agree on it and you're a no-show and you don't have a legit reason. Like my daughter was sick, my dog was hit by a car, my plane was delayed. That meeting is void. Like you've missed it. Gone. Bye. Because I was sitting there waiting for you. Um, I couldn't take on any other work. I couldn't go read a book in the sun, go swimming or anything. I was literally sitting there waiting for you. So I'm sorry, it's void. And, you know, you can fill out the forms or you can do something else, but I'm not going to turn up again. And I think you're right. Like people hate saying that and doing that because yeah, they want to give people the benefit of the doubt, et cetera. But I think that's really just fear talking with, like you said, not being a bossy bitch. And yeah, I love being called the boundary queen and even I don't get it right. And we can talk about some of my recent client disasters in a bit, but yeah, I'm so strong in those. And don't get me wrong. I get a little bit shaky, nervous sometimes, but the more I do it, the more I feel good about it and I don't even, yeah, I don't even stress about it. I just say it now and move on. Like it's not playing on my mind or anything like that. Yeah. Like we're overthinking at our end. The client's probably not even going to blink an eye if you come into the relationship saying, hey, this is my process. I'm going to need the contract signed. Because in any other interaction that they're having, for example, with um, let's go to some of the professions that this is more standard in. So lawyers, accountants, they're used to that interaction. So all we need to do is change their mindset to be used to this sort of interaction with other professions. So, you know, if you're a graphic designer, if you're a photographer or whoever, you you know, if you're in a more creative industry, set up the relationship to reflect some of these things and it's going to lift the whole profession and people will just expect it and it will be the norm and we'll stop having these kind of wishy-washy relationships uh, where people are getting in trouble. And we're seeing it all the time, like on Facebook um, groups and stuff, people saying, oh you know I got screwed over by a client I didn't have a contract or they didn't pay me and I did all the work you know and that just wouldn't like imagine a lawyer saying oh you know I did all the work and I didn't get paid like that just I mean I'm sure it does happen but it's pretty unusual I'm sure yeah that's so true I mean I'll even run through like quickly the things that I did before I even started taking on clients so like got a good website got a good like email provider with like a legit email address. So not like coffee 96 at hotmail.com. Um, I got like a lawyer to draft up a contract, quite a broad one, uh, admittedly for both my corporate work at the time and small business um, work. I actually thought about my onboarding processes and systems. So I got like invoice 
set up. I actually dot pointed out all the things that I needed them to do when, you know, I would deliver things, when I would do things, when I wouldn't do things. Um, that was even before I took clients. I had all of that. And then as I got clients, I started to work more on customer experience, like scheduling apps, how often I was going to give updates, should I use different platforms and systems and stuff. But I did all of that before even taking on a client. I wasn't trying to figure that out six weeks into a contract with my first client. Yeah. So I think to sum that one up, and I've just been through this more recently, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. There's some fundamental things that we're saying you really need to get right from the start to protect yourself and to protect your client for that matter. Um, And then there's some refinement that really can only happen through practice and the doing. So it's not about having the perfect contract up front, the perfect process and systems up front, because if you aim for that, it's never going to, you're never going to, the business won't start. So do some, do some of the like essentials and get some sound advice before you start and then keep thinking about it and keep refining as you go. So Rach, I would love to hear a recent, or not a recent, but a story, a client story from you that maybe didn't quite go to plan um, or some examples of where you've had to refine things to tighten up, say a, say a few little uh, holes in your system. Yeah, well, um, I've only ever fired two clients um, in eight years. And the first client I fired was a couple of years ago. I still don't think I was in the wrong, but it made me want to refine a few things just to make things clear. So basically, um, you know, I was offering Unique Advantage, which was my um, website copywriting branding um, package. And this client was referred to me through um, a mutual contact and I'd worked with her before and I'd love working with her. So when she referred me, um, you know, client A, I was like, oh, cool, this should be good. There were warning signs um, that client A was not going to accept the process that I wanted to go on, like my values, how I did things, why I did things. Um, and I'm actually all for people saying, well, why do you do this, Rachel? Why do you need this, Rachel? I'm fine, I'll answer the questions. But um, it kept on um, happening. And what ended up being quite a stressful situation was, they weren't happy with my final website copy in their head. Um, I think they thought it was going to be more like Mad Men, which is why you hear me use a Mad Men analogy quite a bit that I was going to yeah, smoke a cigar, um, drink whiskey and come up with all this random stuff for them. Um, that's not really how copywriting works and branding works. Um, I think they were sort of pitching like more of an advertising agency because um, this client's response to me was, Oh, these are my exact words. You haven't written or created anything. Why would I pay you to, to copy what I've said? And then I'm like, dude, we spent like hours together with me asking you specific questions, um, telling you how to write, you know, sales copy, all of that kind of stuff. I was like, you actually paid for me to take what's in your brain and put it in a way that people can understand it and buy stuff from you. Um, but the client just didn't get that, really didn't, and was really upset and adamant that, um, I basically ripped them off and um, I'd done all of the work. They paid the deposit um, and then I just let them go and didn't claim the final amount, even though I'd done the work. I just let them go. Um, they were sending aggressive emails and I just stayed sort of positive and stuff. But it, what it made me realise is that I needed to talk about my processes more and actually get verbal yeses of agreement. Like this is how I do things. I send you two forms, it gets this type of content, that is what I use in your website copy. Do you understand and agree? Yes, and then I was also, I've added in now, um, when you get the website copy, there's more instructions and stuff, being like, 
this is the SEO copy that will do X, Y, and Z. This is your brand tagline that is used for blah, blah, blah. So that was, yeah, like the only time that I've been really questioned on the, the processes, procedures, and the um, deliverables, and definitely not the right client for me, definitely a nightmare client, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to put extra measures in place to make sure that everyone understands um, our relationship and what they can expect for someone like me. Oh, Rach, I love that so much. I've just actually written down getting verbal confirmation because I think that's something it's really easy to not do, particularly if you have a written contract is to palm the palm. You're basically palming off the communication and the hard chat with your client to a document. You get them to yeah, they won't read. Yeah, exactly. They, well, hopefully they do, but you know, realistically they don't and they don't remember it. Um, so they sign, they sign the contract and you think, Oh, we're all sweet. So even though you've got this protection um, the relationship could still go, you know, pretty shit, pretty quick if there's not um, an equal understanding and expectations about how that relationship's going to go. So yeah, having that, you know, you could get them to sign the contract and then just go through it with them in say half an hour before you start work with them. It doesn't have to be complicated. And if they're not prepared to do that with you, they're not someone you're going to want to work with anyway. Yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, the signs were when they kept questioning it and wanting to provide, wanted me to provide extra information, I guess. Yeah, like questioning my value and why I should do things. And they have been in business for 20 years and I think they, um, which we can go into later, you know, signs of a nightmare client, they kept on sort of acting like, well, I could do this, but I just don't have time. So, you know, I thought it was about time I got a copywriter. You do not want to start a relationship with like, I know what I'm doing. I guess I'm just hiring you because know, I'm too busy because already, like we were saying before, like the power dynamic has shifted. It's not equal. It's not a partnership. I think, you know, client working with clients is a partnership. It's not, they sit on their butt and we do all of the heavy lifting and vice versa. They shouldn't have to do all the heavy lifting where we occasionally show up online for 20 minutes either, which is a lot of programs and why a lot of clients are getting um, unhappy and um, frustrated with say like business coaches, etc. So it has to be, I think, mutual work or an understanding of, you know, 60% is me and 40% is you. Like we just need to agree on that before you um, move forward. Yeah. And it's obviously going to be very different for different industries and different services and products for Rach and I it's it's pretty applicable that it's almost going to be not quite 50 50 but it's going to be pretty it's going to be pretty close but I mean even if you're just selling a product online you have to communicate to the client exactly what they're buying so you're, you're really doing the exactly the same thing it's just presented in a different way and then obviously you have um your policies in place if if they decide they don't want that product you know it's it, Really, all the same things are happening. It's just presented differently. So it doesn't matter if you're selling a product or a service. You need to think about these things. Yeah, so, and right. do you have like, oh, I was going to say, do you have a client story like that you want to yeah. share around maybe systems and like processes that maybe you think about? And then we can share some later maybe around like values and boundaries and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so part of what I offer is creating documents for people. Uh, hopefully really clever documentation that solves a problem for them they're having in their business, whether it be an instruction, a procedure, etc. And of course, with that comes a lot of research and trying to understand the client's needs. So it's really easy for that to head south and go wrong really quickly. And same thing I'm sure happens with copywriting as well. You know, you don't want to go off and spend hours on a document and then it's gone totally the wrong direction. And I think it's really easy if you're a creative person for that to happen. 
you think you basically you think you've read the client's mind you think you're doing the right thing but in actuality you're just doing what you think is a great great idea the client gets yeah, it like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what the nice yeah but it's not solving the problem yeah. But yeah, I, my process is really, I need to spend a lot of time initially understanding the business, understanding the client's needs, figuring out what problem we want to solve. So I actually am pretty blunt now. Like when I catch up with clients, I'm like, okay guys, before we dive into, because clients have a habit too, they want to offload whatever's happening in their business mm-hmm. and sort of have a bit of a general chat. And of course we can have that, but I want to get down to, okay, okay guys, what problem am I trying to solve for you? And then that becomes my reference point that no matter what I'm creating or doing for them, I'm going to come back to that. It's a bit like um, for those who have had the pleasure of attending a university and writing an essay and uh, getting off topic with their essay question. (laughs) Yep. I see that all the time. Always come back to the question. What is the question asking you to do? So yeah, always coming back to what the client asked me to do and then regular structured check-ins. So if the project's going to go for say three months, there's going to be regular agreed check-in points. If they can't meet those check-in points, I will, I may need to stop work until we can catch up because I don't want to keep working on something and it be wrong. Yeah. And have you ever had like it go wrong and then like, has that checkpoint then helped you fix it quicker than like say six, like you said, six months later or three weeks later, you're like, Oh, like, yeah. And then oh, the totally. really annoyed. Yeah. Cause I mean, I didn't always have the checking points. I'd just go off and do it. And then I come back to them and be like, well, this is wrong. And so then I had to go away and fix it for free. So that sucked. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah. But it's so easy to do. And I mean, sometimes, you know, you might do something that is slightly different to what they want because you know, ultimately it is actually better for achieving what they're trying to achieve, but you have to then sell that to them and they have to agree. You can't just, you know, go off and do whatever you want uh, without that, without their agreement and expect them to. Yeah, Yeah, that is so true. And I mean, I'm not offering um, direct copywriting services anymore, but I used to do what I called a skeleton draft. Um, and I would actually like do the high level, like messaging, map out all the website and get there. It was going to be a big lot of work and get their approval on the direction, key messaging, key headlines. And I would do like a few dot points underneath, like what I was roughly going to talk about before I fleshed it out. And I often do that with blog posts too. So I recently, um, so I working with another corporate client and um, I just fleshed out the three blog posts um, and got their approval. And then I just, you know, um, kind of did them all the other day and so I knew that I was on the right track the tone of voice was right headlines was going to include so yeah you can do that I think even with a lot of design work um you know working with Kate recently my rebrand she had like um vision boards and all that which is in a sense her I think equivalent of like skeletons and you with your check-ins and verbal kind of confirmations so you can adapt all of this to any of your um industries and work is what I'm trying to say like you don't have to be like, oh, well, I'm not a copywriter. I don't need to do skeleton drafts. Well, what is your equivalent of a skeleton draft? So you can get um, approval before you go ahead. And it makes the client happy. I think they love being a part of the process. They want to be involved, like you're saying, Sophia. They want regular check-ins. They don't want you to disappear for three months and come back with something. Um, that doesn't mean you need to be like on every day being like, hey, guys, this is where I'm at. But like regular kind of points um, so they can see where you're at. And they can report to other people or... Um, they'll know if you're going to be delayed or if you're going to have the work done sooner. They can get everything else that they need to in place. I think it's just kind of like courteous, like a good working relationship to do that. 
Yeah, it's going to build trust, particularly if it's a new client. They're going to be nervous. They don't know really. They don't really know yet what you're going to produce or what you can achieve for them, what results you can deliver. So it's going to help again show that you're professional and give them some assurance about what's happening. It's also just a fun thing to do. Like I, I love meeting with my clients and checking in with them and showing them where I'm at and getting their feedback. So yeah, I, I think you're right, Rachel. I think it can be adjusted for pretty much any any industry. Um, we're happy to help you brainstorm that though if you're stuck on this step because it is a skill. It does take a, t- a while, I think, to refine this kind of skeleton um, drafting of your work and it's a project management skill, I guess, really. So yeah, just keep yeah, you quiet at it though and, and you, will get, you will get better at it and you'll learn to what each client needs because you may need to adjust it and do slightly more for different clients. So Rach, should you fire a client? Is this okay? Yes. (laughs) And how do you how do you like own that? that? Yeah, how do you manage that process? Uh, um, (laughs) With a large glass of wine. Um, Yeah, it's like it's super hard. Yeah, like I mean, most of us is I'm going to put it out there. Most of us has either dumped someone or been dumped, like in a relationship, or even best friends. You know, when you have like your besties, and then like shit changes and they you know have a family or move away and it all like fizzles out it's like all emotionally charged and you're like should I text them should I not should I email them should we call yeah it's exactly the same when you fire a client I'm just going to be honest here it is emotional and like I said I've only done it twice um in eight years and I hate it so so very much and I actually think I'm I'm going to be bold I actually think I'm quite good at it um like I can, I'm quite good at having emotion using that emotion but actually removing it from the interactions that I have with my client which I think is step number one like you can want to cry and drink a whole thing of wine um you can get really really mad um I did recently when I fired a client I was so so mad um so mad that I basically gave myself a migraine because I was so emotionally um charged and I was dealing with it but I was yeah like she really pushed me to the extremes um yeah, so I think emo- like admitting that there's emotion and the business is personal is the first step because if you try and act like, oh, no, it's not affecting me or I can't feel this way or I can't be angry, it makes the what you're going to do, your actions, not so good. I think you'll spit it at them, you know, six emails in or you'll call them up and abuse them or something like that or you won't defend yourself and your boundaries and you keep working with them even though it's killing you on the inside. So that's step number one. And then I think step number two is explaining the process to them like why the relationship isn't working um there's lots of tips i mean you can do the sneaky where it's like you know my business is changing i don't think our relationship is going so well i'm increasing my prices and you can do the subtle breakup you know it's not you it's me um (laughs) and that works uh a lot of the time um and generally i think most people like naturally i've worked with clients and it's kind of fizzled out and i think we're both happy like it wasn't necessarily like a dumping um and then so that's kind of that one you actually have to lay out why things aren't working so that the client is clear in case they're not and then the third one I think is you need to like do your best to either complete the project or package up what you have and send it over to them in the best like to do like the best of your ability in the nicest way and as closest to what the key deliverables were obviously if they haven't paid you and stuff um you can keep the content, keep the work, you don't have to give it to them. But if it's like at the end and 
it's all getting a bit like wishy-washy and they've paid and stuff then I think trying to explain and then packaging up the best you have I can and have got and send it over is another good step like withholding content and all of that and money I think is when it gets really emotionally charged um, really ugly and can backfire I think if you don't handle it in a professional way yeah of course so just to kind of recap because I think that was an awesome kind of pretty much a three-step process no no it was no it was really good Um, because we were saying off air too it's okay to be upset by a difficult client you're only human you're allowed to feel stuff so yeah acknowledge those emotions don't do anything silly when you are emotional take a breath Um, remind your client about the processes see if you can maybe pull them into line a little bit by some gentle reminders what they agreed to in the contract for example And then trying to keep up your end of the bargain as best you can in line with what the contract allows you to do. But if there's really issues, then, you know, you might also need to get some support. Um, A lawyer doesn't have to be extravagantly expensive. Sometimes they can write um, an informal letter for you on your behalf and help you out with getting someone off your back too. So it's not about like taking someone to court, for example, but it might be a matter of spending a couple hundred bucks uh, to get some legal advice and get a letter written, for example, that's going to make the difference and um, bring the form, some more formality um, and some respect to the situation as well. Because this can be, as you say, when it involves money, really full on, people's emotions are charged and, uh, you know, you've got to be careful about your business reputation as well. You want to protect that. Yeah, so definitely PR is something to um, consider and yeah, when I fired both my clients, um, obviously I work in PR and branding. So, um, but I did take a sort of step back and be like, okay, um, you know, am I doing things in a good way for my business and in a good way for me personally as well? Because even if you think they're going to go out and say bad things about you, if they're actually have broken the contract, they're being really inappropriate, they're, you know, making you want to, like I said, down large glasses of red wine and cry then who gives a shit about your business at the end of the day and your reputation? Like it's you and you are your business and you've got to protect yourself. That comes um, first. But I think a good way is also communication and the way that you communicate is a good way to help your brand reputation. So instead of being like, um, you know, like, bitch, you didn't answer your phone. You know, you never called me back. You never did. You, 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 you. You can change an emotionally charged words to like, as per our contract, it was agreed upon that we would have two Zoom conversations. You did not attend one of them. As per my policy, when you do not attend, you know, that meeting is like void and therefore you were required to fill out this form to, in addition so I could get additional, you know, extra information as opposed yeah. to you didn't do your job, you didn't turn up. Like see how already that sounds more business-like and would hold up more, I think, with legal stuff, financial um, obligations and PR. Like, and then if they want to be angry and scream at you, that's their right. Doesn't mean you need to take it. But again, responding to them, you know, taking a break, talking to a friend and then responding to them again. And you don't have to always acknowledge their distress and upset either. Like it's not your job to take upon their, um, you know, their kind of anger. You can like ignore it and just, again, focus on the outcomes and the deliverables. I think if you're outcome focused, and ignore all of the he said, she said, you did, you didn't. Um, it's really good. And you can protect your brand that way. And then you feel good about yourself that you did the best you could with that client relationship. Yeah. And as, as, like, as you're saying, you know, reminding them about X, Y, and Z, you know, you agreed to do this. None of that should be a surprise to them. 
So that again is why you've got to be really clear at the start. Don't hide things and then try and pull it out later, you know, against your clients to start this like dirty battle. That's not fair on them either. None of this should be a surprise to them. They should not be able to say, oh, I didn't know that or, oh, I forgot. Uh, I mean, they can obviously try and some, you know, like psychopath might, (laughs) but realistically it shouldn't be a surprise and therefore you're going to avoid these situations as much as possible. Also by speaking in the way that Rachel just recommended, you're hopefully going to diffuse some of that uh, emotion as well and just bring everyone back down. Okay, guys, this is meant to be a professional working relationship. Maybe you didn't keep up your end of the bargain. Maybe I didn't keep up my end of the bargain. But let's let's talk about this like professionals and you know hopefully come to a agreeable maybe compromise situation. Okay, enough about that. How do we avoid these nightmare clients in the first place? What are some of the things that you've common themes that you've uh, recognised over your over your wise years, Rachel, working with? some fantastic but also maybe not some great clients and how do you avoid them in the first place yeah these like pain in the ass clients you might see like p-i-t-a around the interwebs that's pain in the ass clients um i also like saying <laughs> nightmare clients because uh, i talk a lot about dream clients so obviously the opposite of dreaming is nightmare um for me the first one is when they say things to me like oh my last you know, insert designer, copywriter, blah, 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 didn't do this. Or I wasn't happy with my last copywriter, designer, accountant because. So when I think someone starts off a relationship with one, telling you how they've done things before and how you're meant to do it the same, or two, starting off the conversation with like, I didn't like this person, so I'm here hoping you'll be better, do something better. Um, For me, it flags. Because most people want to start a relationship with like, I like you, Rachel. I want to do this. Again, very outcome-based as opposed to I want you to do a thing or this is what I expect from you. And, of course, you can have those conversations. But that's a big one for me. Another one is um, when, like I said before, they're questioning your value, your deliverables, um, you know, why you run your business, how you do things, and they want evidence that you have got success for your clients in the past. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have testimonials and that you can't send previous work, but a lot of the work that we do, right, is private to our existing and previous clients. And so I used to get asked a lot, well, I want you to send me the the before and the after copy that you did for X client. I'm like, hell no. And I would have to be like, legally no. And would you want me to be giving your like private and personal details out to everyone else so and yeah so that kind of stuff is a big flag because they don't understand the process obviously and they don't understand how a business works um and they're asking for things that aren't in my opinion acceptable or professional so there's like two straight off the bat how about you Sophia like what are you what are sort of your kind of signs yeah, uh, just to continue what you're saying there too, Rach, I think, uh, again, that's a respect for the profession issue because um, you wouldn't catch people asking for uh, private information from an accountant. Can I see the before and after of when you did the maths on this? I mean, how ridiculous is that, honestly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so not okay. Uh, yeah, for me, and you've mentioned it here too, uh, in a beautiful set of notes, we do quite a lot of research for these uh, episodes and uh, we often reference them to because we have too much in our heads, but I've just noticed here, Rachel, and this is something that I definitely do too, is big warning signal. 
Oh, well, so I don't actually have the money right now, but um, I can pay you at the end or, uh, yeah, look, I'll get that deposit to you soon, but um, just a bit tight, tight for a couple of weeks. Yeah, hey, nah. guys, here's an idea. Don't engage someone before you can afford it, okay? Yep. We, like, unless, of course, you know, there's some sort of arrangement, payment plan, whatever, but, you know, get the money first, then go shopping. Don't, don't waste people's time and treat us with less respect than you would anyone else by saying, oh, yeah, don't have the money. And then again, guys, big warning signal about maybe someone you don't want to deal with. Um, yeah. I think we've all experienced that and it, and it really sucks. Um, Which is also leading from that is the asking to reduce rates. Yeah. The things like, oh, oh, you've only been in business for a year. Yeah, well, I'm not going to pay that price because, you know, you're not an experienced copywriter. I'm like, uh, hello, I've been like doing this for 12 years. And just because I've been in business for one year does not mean I am not a senior copywriter. Like what the hell? And so kind of finding ways to, again, reduce your confidence, respect, value, boundaries, like finding ways to kind of make you feel smaller or saying things like, well, how about instead of paying $120 an hour, I pay you a hundred dollars an hour and then I do insert like exposure or you get this or I'll do that or I'll do a bit more of the work so you don't have to spend as long editing. Hell no. Like when they're trying to negotiate, this isn't like a haggling system where we negotiate what they do, how much money that's going to cost and stuff. No, it's not how it works. Like you take it or leave it. These are my processes. These are my price. This is how I work. You can shop around and choose people that suit you, but do not come to me and say that you want me to change who I am to suit you. It's not how it works. Yeah. And I mean, we're not saying that people can't uh, ask for custom quotes or approach it in that way, but when they've come in and said they want package X and they're like pretty much ready to sign on the dotted line or they even have signed on the dotted line. And then they say, Oh, actually, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to create half of that and uh, I'm going to need, you to discount that price by X, you know, 50% and, uh, you know, none of that. that. That's not okay because they came into that relationship. The expectation was set between the two of you and there shouldn't be changes that are that significant. I, I don't think that's, that's fair or okay on, on either party because there's just too much room, regal room then and you're going to have issues down the track and uh, it's just going to, it's just going to implode. It's, it's just not going to be a fun time. Something we should probably mention as well is um, being aware of some of the like fair trade consumer act stuff, because it does also apply to contractors and freelancers as well. So not just product kind of based businesses. So make sure you're aware of your rights as well. I think we mentioned that in other podcast episodes, but it is really important. Hopefully you never have to worry about it, but Hey, what do they say? Knowledge is power. <laughs> so I think we're allowed yeah. to mention it in this uh, context. It's not too cheesy. Yeah, and I've had clients throw that at me too, being like, oh, under the act or you should do X because of blah, blah, blah. Um, again, it's kind of a bit of a bullying tactic. I mean, people have the right to say that. Again, you know, I'm talking this from the point that I haven't done anything wrong, but occasionally, you know, we could do better, we could improve, etc. They have the right to do that, but I think um, then it allows, if you understand it, then it allows you to say, well, actually, no, I have fulfilled my obligations, which I had to do recently when I fired a client. Um, that they were doing that and I again put some legal jargon in um, saying well no I have to fulfill my obligations under Australian consumer law so yeah. suck it basically. 
And apologies, everyone. Stan is lying next to me and he was just uh, supporting Rachel with a, little, with a little wolf there. Um, I was actually listening to another podcast the other day where a lady had her dog uh, and acknowledged her dog having a little bark. And I thought it was really cute. So hopefully you'll excuse us. But um, we might just stop the recording and I'll just kick Stan outside, Rach, for a sec. Okay, cool. Okay, we're back. Thanks, Stan, going outside. Uh, taking one for the team there. <laughs> he hates yes, me now. He hates me. I had to carry him out. He looks so sad. So <laughs> we've talked about some, you know, signs of what to avoid, but how can you really nail down how to create a, what we're going to refer to as a dream or versus nightmare client personas and how do you develop them and, and how you found them useful, Rach? Can you talk us through what you, how you develop those and use them? Yeah, well, I didn't even realise that I had done it until I posted recently about um, firing a client and I did an Instagram stories and I was, you know, people were responding with their kind of nightmare client stories and stuff like that. We're chatting. And then I was just telling a few people that I had like a nightmare client persona. Everyone's like, what, what is that? I want one. Um, so yeah, I, I promised that I would discuss it in this pod and I keep my promises. So when I first started out, um, like most of us do, everyone's like, you know, want to work with your dream clients and which is great and so I listed all these kind of qualities and what I thought I wanted in a dream client and that was good but I'd never really worked with like perfect clients yet and so I was actually getting clients that were maybe you know like 20% perfect you know 80% crap etc and so as I was going through the process I became better and better at deciding what and who I didn't want to work with as opposed to my dream clients. And I know that sounds really negative, but I think a lot of us are really can be so much more clear, clearer with what we don't want than what we do want, especially if we haven't had that yet. So I started creating a nightmare client persona in exactly the same way. So I would write their values. They would want things done quickly, fast, cheap. Um, they would want to either micromanage or not be a part of the process at all. They didn't understand that it was a partnership like we've mentioned before. So all these kind of values I would write down. Then um, the warning signs, like we've mentioned earlier. So, you know, the phrases, five or six phrases that they would come to me with, you know, I needed this yesterday. Can you just, I don't have time or money to, all of these kind of statements that again, I could refer to and said, oh, the client just said three of those or the client said one of those and they talked about their values. Like I said, you know, I want this done yesterday, but I don't have time to help you do X, Y, and Z. So for yeah. me, I said... To create all of these things, I even like name them. Um, you know, there was like Bob, um, who was you know like the male kind of like small business owner who um, kind of thought the world evolved around him, and he was in there just to make money. So everything I did had to be about getting him more money, more power, and stuff. I was like, oh, I don't like that. Was he? And a then I had white man called Bob, yeah. right? Yes, he was. <laughs> um, and I stopped working with them pretty quickly. I mean, some of the you know, middle-aged white dudes love him, but um, not Bob. And then I had also, you know, kind of a 40-year-old um, woman, which had been the two clients that I have fired. Again, not trusting the process, not wanting to do the work. And they would often come with like, I've been hurt, I've been burned, you know, I'm trying this. And it was really like emotional kind of blackmail stuff. A lot of like, bullying when it was like oh I just don't have time because my kids are sick but it was always these excuses which presents as like not wanting to show up do the work and in fact they'll try to force me to do all the heavy lifting from their mindset to confidence to keeping them on time 
to helping them work out their finances. They'll really like just basically um, using and abusing me and not treating me as a professional. So yeah, I created these like personas and they helped guide me. So every time dodgy client or I was on the fence and I was like, oh, maybe I do want money and street cred and they're offering me all this. I'm like, hell no. And I'd get out the, the personas and be like, wow, like, you know, X client just ticks six of those boxes. No way. And then that was stopping me from getting kind of scared and sidetracked into money and stuff, which is completely normal. Yeah, let's be honest. That's how I use my nightmare client personas. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one about excuses for missing meetings or like, yeah, actually one of my warning signals that I forgot to mention before is when you're trying to set up that initial client uh, chat, which, which, you know, might, you might not be charging for that. Uh, so there's more risk involved again and they cancel at the last minute or they move yeah. it or uh, yeah, they're just not respecting your time. You know, they wouldn't do yeah. that to another professional. So why are they doing it to you? Again, a yeah. that you don't want to maybe work with someone. And we're not like we've used the word perfect, which is probably not fair because obviously no one is perfect. There is no such thing as a as a perfect client. But as Rach has said, you know, you're gonna have a set of values and when too many of those are, are potentially being breached, uh on balance, okay, maybe you wanna get out of this relationship and, and not go any further, not not get to the signing signing on the dotted line stage. Yeah, and I think as you go through the process more and you become clearer, like sometimes I do compromise certain core values because I really want to work with a client. I'm going to learn and grow and stuff myself. So it's not all like this person doesn't fit my, you know, perfect or dream client persona. I'm not working with them. You still make decisions. I just found it as a way to take the emotional, you know, scarcity mindset. Cause sometimes let's be honest, we're like, Oh, I haven't had any great clients recently. This client's okay. I wouldn't mind some money. I need to pay rent. And then we can start down this process. And what I found is that a lot of my clients, have done really well at the start, started getting busy or needed money and then get stuck in the B grade, what I call a B grade client kind of like system where they're just constantly attracting these clients that aren't perfect, then getting stuck with them because they need money and then they can't get out of that. And before they know it, they're just working with clients that are really don't light them up and they get, um, you know, really just sort of down about their business. And that's not what we signed up to do, right? We didn't sign up to work with people um, that kind of don't light us up um, that don't help us grow and challenge us and make our business, you know, grow and stuff as well. So yeah, I think it's just something to consider and you can have your own systems. Like I'll include my persona template for you guys, but, um, yeah, do whatever works for you. You don't have to do a, you know, nightmare client persona, but at least be clear in your head who you want to work with and what you're moving towards. Yeah. You could, you could even set up your initial chat document, um, that has these warning signals built into it. The client doesn't know about it, but there's going to be certain questions you might ask or certain things you're looking for. And you're going to note that down and then you're going to give yourself a bit of an out because you're actually going to say, okay, you know, it was great to meet you today. I'm going to go away and, you know, prepare a quote for you or I'll get back to you with the package that I maybe think best suits your needs or however you do it. Um, But you've still got time then for an out and be like, you could go back to them and say, oh, look, I'm really sorry, but, um, you know, something else has come up or I'm fully booked until X or, you know, however you want to manage it. We've listed lots of soft and harder ways that you can manage it. Uh, you know, you're giving yourself time to process maybe and get to know this person without just jumping in uh, feet first. You're giving yourself some time to consider it because as Rachel's mentioned, if you get stuck with these, you know, B grade clients, if you want to call them, or probably for some of us starting out, they're F, F grade <laughs> clients. Oh. They're really down the bottom of the run potentially. Uh, 
that's going to consume all your time, all your energy, and then you're going to miss out on the amazing cream of the crop, the clients that are going to get you the referrals, the clients that are going to be your repeat customers. You don't, so you don't want to take on too many B grade or F grade clients and uh, have your time wasted and consumed and yeah, you just, you end up exhausted. Let's be honest. It's, yeah. it's emotional, exhausting. Yeah. Depleting experience that everyone goes through, but you want to learn from it and you want to avoid it as much as you can as your business grows because you don't have time for that shit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. I started off with F grade. Well, actually, no, I'm going to be honest. I started off with C grade clients, um, but I was picky AF and um, I had savings and stuff. So I was able to kind of choose. But I mean, I, like I said, I literally find a client the other day who is probably what's worse than F, Z, like Z grade. I don't know, like the worst <laughs> of the worst um, that I've had lingering around in my books for years. And I was like, hell no. I mean, this is me who been in business for eight years. You still have them and you're always like, growing and improving so don't feel like um basically i'm trying to say i don't want you to feel like i'm telling you like you know you have to say no to everything and it's wrong if you you know take clients for money even though you know they're like you know nightmare clients and stuff make decisions i've done that there's nothing wrong with that i just want you to focus on your dream clients and moving through these stages as quickly as you can to not linger in them and tell yourself this is all you deserve and this is all you can get because it's not true um there are dream clients who want to pay like great money, who value you, who respect you, who love the process, who make like coming to work amazing. So I don't know, Sophia, let's end on a positive note. I'd love to hear about a client you've worked with recently and why they're amazing and all the things that you did in your client management process that helped that along. I would love to do that, Rach, but I'm so sorry. I just love so much what you just said. I'm going to just continue to be negative for another mini minute. Damn, girl. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry. listeners. The only other thing I was going to add is, um, as Rach is saying, like you might have to take clients and we're not saying that that you shouldn't because obviously that might be the right business choice, but don't be naive about it. Go in equipped with the information. Ask all those same questions that might tell you that, you know, this is a bad client potentially for you um, and then put in place extra protection. So tighten up your contract. If you think they might, this, you know, they're giving you some warning signals, but you have no choice but to work with them. Um, but definitely have, you know, have a line in the sand that of people that you are just never going to work with. And I think Rachel mentioned off air, you know, you would never work with a tobacco company because that's just, that's the line in the sand for you. So have your line in the sand. Sometimes there's going to be some compromise, but don't need naive and yeah, put in place those extra protections so that, putting yourself you and your business uh first but yeah positive stories okay so one of my most amazing clients uh that we just keep working together and the reason it's worked so well is we have great communication we're really upfront with each other and i try really hard to always meet any deadlines that i set with them if i know that i'm not going to be able to I explain to them very clearly why i can't We have great uh, systems in place to actually communicate online with each other as well and provide feedback. Um, I always make the effort to meet with them in person as well if I possibly can and it's appropriate. I'm really lucky that they're actually uh, near me, so I'm able to do that. It's pretty luxurious. And, um, you know, if we couldn't meet in person, I would come up with something else. So, you know, making the effort to video call and to have that interaction to ensure that communication is really strong because that's, what's needed to get this like this type of work done together that we're working on 
And I asked them for feedback really regularly. So I asked them, you know, how did I go on that? How did that, even when the projects ended, I recently asked them about some previous work we did together. I said, hey, did that, was that enough? Did that, you know, end up achieving what you needed to achieve? So checking in with them, not being scared to ask for feedback and making it a safe space that they can give me honest feedback as well. So um, something I've noticed a little bit happening in the online community is where people get feedback that they don't like. They then got, get online and pretty much slander the other person and say, oh, this was so mean and unfair. Sorry, guys, but uh, I think I've mentioned this before. You've got to respect that feedback. Like you can't take it so personally. You've really got to step up and take that feedback on, on board. You know, as long as it's constructive, of course. I'm not saying like genuine slander is not okay. But yeah, I think for me, this recent, um, this recent relationship and it's, it's just like, as you say, Rach, it makes coming to work a joy. Like I'm genuinely, I have to stop myself starting their work before someone else's project because I'm so excited to like get into it. And I really feel like they value and respect my skills. I think it's so lovely. And it's funny how like all of our nightmare client stories that people are sending me are all the same, same of what we've talked about here, but also so the dreamy clients and the positive stories. Because as you're talking about that, I'm like, yes, yes. Like the people I love working with I actually feel like best friends in the end. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course you have like the client relationship, but we're talking about, you know, their daughter, their dog, where they're going on holiday. And we actually have such a strong relationship. And yeah, they ask for feedback um, and I give them feedback on their processes and ways of working. They do the same for me. And instead of, um, you know, just getting the work done, we're actually wanting to spend time with each other and to lift each other up. Like we have, a my clients, we have like a really kind of, strong relationship they'll get online and tell everyone to work with me and stuff but I do exactly the same for them the clients that I love working with who are doing amazing things who are overcoming their fears who are pushing their business forward who are wanting to help others they like I want to tell the entire world about them so I know that I've worked with a dream client when I want to tell everyone about their stuff and not just so I get the street cred I'm talking about like I would buy their product I would work with them again. I would be their best friend in real life. They're, to me, what dream clients should be. And sure, you don't have to you know, be as like besties as I am. That's just how I like to work because my clients get the best of me when they get all of me. Um, and when I have to compartmentalize myself and be like, no, that's just work or I don't want to talk about that or I just need to get shit done, um, they don't get the best of me because the work I do around like branding and like, messaging and marketing and building signature services and all that kind of stuff i need to know the person like through and through so i can deliver um amazing stuff and yeah it's funny like i said how all of our stories are the same too oh totally and that's not to say like this particular client i'm referencing doesn't didn't challenge me and doesn't continue to challenge me and we have disagreements but it's professional and it's friendly and we have mutual respect for each other, but that doesn't mean we always have to agree. And that might mean that yeah. either of us have to compromise in different situations. And we're both prepared to do that because we know we have a common goal that we've set from the start of that relationship to achieve this amazing thing that we're going to achieve together. Yeah. And I think my relationships go so well because I have put a lot of like policies in place, like you said, that gets feedback that allows us to talk openly that we have regular check-ins an onboarding process, like schedules. So it takes all that, like we've talked about, all that stressy kind of stuff, the emotionally yeah. charged stuff, like when am I getting paid? When are they going to turn up? When am I going to get the deliverables? That's all sorted. And so we can literally work on getting the job done and we can work on 
just like making it the best project or whatever as we can be. And we're both not thinking about when we're getting paid and when we're getting stuff. Like that's taken care of. And if the system falls down a little bit, we've still got that relationship. And so like, you know, I've talked about being hardcore with like payments and saying that lots of my clients come to me and have said things like, oh, my car just broke down. Can I take two extra days to pay the invoice? And you know, my response is, and I think I've said this before, every time is, yeah, do it. Like family and life comes first. Like, yeah, take a few extra days. But I also know that they are going to pay on Friday when they said they would and stuff. And so you can then start to be slightly flexible and, you know, you're still a human being, but all that stuff is taken away and you can just work on having a great relationship, which I think is so important, which is, I suppose, what we've discussed in this pod is like when it all falls down is when all these systems are in place as well to protect us, but also to protect our clients. Definitely. Uh, I love that story about the car breaking down. (laughs) I'm driving a bomb at the moment, guys. I had to uh, downgrade my car to start my business. So I can can relate to that story 100%. Um, But I mean, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, that client came to you and let you know what was happening. So it's an example of great communication. It wasn't like they missed the payment date and then you were like, "Uh, excuse me, where's my money? That is so true. And in our other pod that we're going to do in season two about money, I can talk about this um, a little bit more, but I kind of create like a really open, honest environment. And so I feel like my clients feel like confident they can show up, but I'm just not going to judge them, which is, I suppose, one of my superpowers that people just come as they are and they can just be really real with me because I'm real with them. And, you know, sometimes I have a migraine or I'm going to take an extra few hours and I will say like, oh, look, my back's killing me. I'm going to go to the gym. I just need some time to think of your work, stretch out my back. Do you mind if I send it to you in a couple hours? And they're always like, sure, mate, go for it. Like, because, you know, we're honest about it and they know that I'm going to deliver results. The same as for them. I know they're going to pay and show up. So yeah. I mean, you don't have to have that kind of, like I said, bestie relationship. Although I think it really does help in the types of businesses that we're running and, you know, listeners and stuff, the businesses they're running, it's about personal connection. Yeah, I, that's, that's exactly it, Rach. It's kind of inevitable. If you have great communication and respect for each other, it's pretty hard to not have some friendly interactions. As you say, you might not be bosom buddies. I'm quoting, uh, uh, what's it called? Bloody, not Annabelle, um, not Pippi Long. I have no idea. I'm <laughs> such a weirdo. Uh, I'm like, what is that? Like, who says that? You think I say weird shit? Who says that? Bosom buddies. Yeah, it's from, you know, Anna Green Gables. Come on, people. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, didn't, didn't pick out that reference, my bad. It's not a 90s meme. How am I meant to pick it up? Like, I, I don't even understand 90s meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> edit this out, Darren. <laughs> yeah, edit the shit out of this. Anyway, should we wrap up? Should we wrap up? Yeah, I think we've we've blabbed on for long enough. I think this is going to be like an extra long episode, but, you know, you can thank us later. (laughs) We can eat it up. (laughs) So modest. (laughs) So I guess this pod has been huge. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. So, you know, we've talked about client management, what it is. We've talked about mindsets and skills, policies and procedures, nightmare, Peter clients, amazing clients, how to fire clients. We've talked about so much. So to wrap it up, as we always do, Sophia, what are your sort of top takeaways from this pod? Yeah, I, uh, I really liked the mindset stuff. 
So I'm going to do some more work on that myself too. And I, as I said, I wrote down that getting that verbal confirmation. So, you know, it's no point just having all these policies and documents and stuff in place to like try and tick off these requirements. You actually still need to put in some effort around communicating with your client. So I think having the contract is important, but then actually making sure there's some acknowledgement from the client and going through that same with the processes and the way you work. So having really up, being really upfront and setting the tone up front starting how you intend to finish. I think are they, they're the biggest takeaways for me. Rach, how about you? Um, I really liked, you know, your 4am thought around why these relationships um, get a little pear-shaped or, you know, get a little bit shite very quickly about these sort of power dynamics, which I guess sort of relates back to sort of, you know, our power and popular podcast. I want to focus on this, more and make sure that when I'm going through this kind of process, you know, I've been doing it for quite a while. So now I'm all about refining. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've got a lot to do, but I'm about refining what I've already got in place and making sure that it really is a partnership that every client I work with is really pretty much a dream client for me now. And I think a lot of it is around, again, reframing how I'm showing up and how I'm working with my clients and setting the expectations for me. yeah, I really want to focus on that. And I've gone back on my word a little bit a few times. And that's why I've had those two nightmare clients that I fired. Like I knew better, but I didn't. I think it was around this sort of power dynamic and not wanting to, like you said, you know, be like a bossy bitch. And I'm normally pretty good with that. So if I'm still failing at that, I want to get better. I'm going to, you know, stand my ground. So yeah, talking about this made me realize I could, I could do better in that department. Yeah, me too. I think we can all do better. We're just so conditioned, unfortunately, particularly as women uh, in our society. So we can all work on it and we can all support each other as well. We'll get there one step at a time, one client at a time. Yes. One process at a time, one verbal confirmation at a time. I feel like maybe we need to take it even smaller steps to make sure each part of the process we're doing it because I fall through when I look at the process overall, I'm like, whoops, could have done better there. Yeah. And look, we could have talked about so much more today, guys. So if, if you do have feedback or things you want us to dig deeper into and to discuss with you, uh, you can reach us on Instagram. Our handle is I made a thing podcast. Check us out. Come talk to us about this episode. You know, another topic that springs to mind is like freebies and giving away stuff for free in the client dynamics. So there, there's so much Ooh. more we could have, we, yeah, we could have talked about, but um, come engage with us. Come check us out. Check out our website, the I'm Anything podcast. Come listen to us. I think we're on, we should be on iTunes hopefully by now, but we're definitely on SoundCloud and you can get to that via our website. And uh, yeah, we just really appreciate everyone who's engaged with us so far, who's following along our, our chat, the things we're doing, the things we're making. Yeah, keep sending all of your voice messages and sharing us stories. It makes my, makes my day. Like I feel so good when I'm like, it's not just me. It's not just Sophia and I being like, this is happening. Like, oh my God, like it makes us not feel alone. And then we can share it and help others feel not so alone. And that, you know, doing this whole biz thing doesn't have to be scary and that we can all create our own kind of business path. And yeah, we can support each other to do that. Yeah. And if you want to know more about our story and kind of why we started this podcast, go back to the mini so because we do go into it in quite a lot of detail about trying to find I think the, the, the cool term is your tribe. So go have a listen yeah. to that one and uh, connect with us. We want to hear from you. 